I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 233 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my friend over here, Alan Robert, founding yeah. member, founding member and bass player of Life of Agony, of course. Also, spoiler NYC, I have to throw you, I have to throw them out there. Um, ridiculous artist, um, ever since. I mean, as far as I know, your artwork is all the way back in old flyers and Life of Agony demos and stuff like that. You know, so I knew that you can draw even 30 years ago. Um, <clears throat> correct me or, or add something if I miss something. But as far as your art, you've done, which I think is absolutely, when you first put it out, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, which is, the Beauty of Horror, which is a series of adult-themed coloring books. Dude, when I saw you did that, I'm like, like somebody like me can now color in like the bathroom at like CBG. <laughs> I know you put that out before that, but I'm like, this is yeah. brilliant. Um, the Kilogy series, which I think is hilarious because of the cast of characters you have in there. You know, Frank Vincent, Doyle, Marky Ramone, and Bria Grant. Like, what a weird, crazy <laughs> four people to be in a series. Um, crawl to me, um, which is insane. And this guy always in this picture, he reminds me of the BTK killer. I don't know why, but he looks like BTK right. to me. Um, another one that's super twisted, but I think it's awesome is wire hangers. That dude is absolutely crazy. Um, I know something is coming soon. I don't know how much you could talk about it. We can get into that after called the shunned one. Yeah, we could talk about that a little bit. All right. It's kind of, it's kind of an idea that was, de was developed um, originally for a comic and also for a film. And um, it just takes so long to develop these things, you know? So it, it's, it's still ongoing, believe it or not, but it has not been released really. There was just a teaser for it in the back of, I think, a Kilogy comic uh -huh. uh, years ago. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting idea. It just it needs to be fully fleshed out. All right, that's cool. And the newest thing that you're doing, which I'm kind of ignorant to what NFTs really are. Obviously, I'm getting smartened up as time goes by. But you put out, or it's actually dropping this Halloween, Monster, Ch Monster Chompers, and it's monsterchompers.com, right? Yep. And it's crazy. You partnered up with a company called way Too digital, right. And developed 10,000, not one, not two, 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's it's awesome. Limited one of a kind designs of monsters and various creepy characters. And they're, 
it's so weird that I'm, I'm reading about this and it's like digital collectibles. And it's just like, we're in 2021 and now people collect digital collectibles. And it's, a <laughs> thing. it's so strange. But anyway, I'm going to shut up. That's like your little, I just wanted to scratch the surface of things that you've done. If the people watching and listening don't have any idea, which you should kids, but um, <laughs> I feel I like was, this is, this is, this is your life or something. I, I should be uh, it, yeah. a comfy chair or something. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> have you, have you been bro? Like I haven't seen you in part well, live and stuff like that, but you know, at shows, but have you been, you know, what's been going on? How's, uh, How's the life in pandemia been for you? Well, like like all the other bands out there, you know, 2020 was a no go, and we had to pull our, all our our dates and um, and move them probably three times now. So now we have dates going into 2022 that looks like a realistic time frame for us to get back at it. Yeah. Um, so I've been keeping busy drawing, like well, you know, all the 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 random things that you mentioned uh keeps me up late at night drawing uh usually horror themed gross stuff which is uh, all right of- up right up my alley dude right up my alley 100 percent. uh so it's a lot of fun for me it's something that i was doing long before music um i went to school of visual arts uh on a scholarship and um i learned illustration under Walt Simonson who draws the mighty Thor. Wow. So I, so I really was into comic books as a kid and, um, it just so happens that the band took off right when I was graduating school and, you know, taking my portfolio around to like the comic book companies just to like end up serving coffee to somebody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that, that appealing, you know, I was yeah. like, let me jump in the van with these guys. The band will probably last six months, see what mm-hmm. happens. And here we are 30 years later. And, and, and I will say that we're recording now, like this will drop in, 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 I don't know, a couple of weeks, but the day that we were recording right now, yesterday was 28 years since the release of river runs red which is mind blowing to me. Never mind what you guys think about it, but it's just like, I remember exactly when that record came out. I remember listening to it and be like, like looking at the same remains demo and like, all right, well, what made it from here onto the record and listening how different it sounded and the production. And I remember all of that stuff, like it happened five years ago. It's yeah. just so crazy that, dude, it's been 28 years since that record came out. And you had what? Death on the BMT. There was another demo in between that and the depression demo, right? With the guy with the skull with the dragon coming out of his head. That was the first one. Or the second, I think. Uh, Death on the BMT was the first one. And then right. the, one, the one with the dragon. Right. I have a flyer from September of 1990. You guys played at Lemoore's and that's on the flyer. Which yeah. Is, yeah. And then there's the depression demo and then there's the same remains demo. And then you guys put out like a river runs red type demo before the record. Right. Um, I don't know if that came out or we just, but it was recorded like a couple it. or something. I don't know. We, we, we actually recorded, pretty much every song on River Run Dread 
before the record as like a pre-production. Okay. Um, so I don't know if we released those, but maybe they're out there somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. So, so even before River Runs Red, there's a, a pretty good chunk of history even before that, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like that depression demo is basically a full length record. It's a full length record, bro. The depression <laughs> oh, yeah, that demo? The double sided thing, right? Yeah. And well, I call it yeah. the depression demo, you know, the guy screaming. I, I, that's what everyone calls it. There's really no name to it, right? Everyone just refers to it as a depression demo. Yeah, I don't even know um, what the demo names were, except for Stay Remains had a name. You know? Gotcha. I, it, I, there was like, there was one that we referred to as a step aside demo. I think that might have been. That's the, the depression one with demo. The, or, or, the, or the dragon one. Okay. Yeah, possibly. I don't have that one. I don't have the death. I have the depression one though. Still with the lyric sheet and everything. I don't know how the hell I still have that thing, but I still have it somewhere. <laughs> I, I remember vividly in Joey's mom's house, folding all those lyric sheets. We were all at the, around the dining room table, folding all the lyric sheets to stick them into the cassettes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like it was yesterday. See, and that, and that, and those came, well, that one came out in 90. So now we're talking 32 years, almost 32 years. That's yeah. insane, dude. And you just got done saying that the band will last six months. <laughs> insane. But good yeah. for you guys, man. Listen, you know, I spoke with Joey and I, I even said to him, I'm like, gun to my head from early, like probably like 90 when I first started going to shows to like the mid to towards the late nineties, like you guys were probably the band that I seen live the most. I mean, you guys were playing all the time, but I would always be there. Like, I don't know how many times record release shows. I mean, all the fucking time, man. And it was a lot. You guys were killing yourselves, but it was fucking so good. And look at, look at you now. Now you have fucking digital collectibles, bro. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Crazy. Those are those are those early years were crazy. We we were all working jobs and going to school and uh, driving you know U-Haul trucks up to Baltimore and you know and then like Joey would drop me off at work with no sleep like straight after the show you know yeah man uh, those are the days you know I can't I can't do that stuff no more. I used to go I I used to, I don't party. I'm completely sober now and stuff, but back in the day everyone was going crazy. A lot of us were going crazy. But like I would be up all night out at clubs going to shows and go to an after hours and then walk right into work, man, and work 8 hours and go home take like a 2-hour power nap and do it all over again like I don't know how I did that shit, but it was fun and I have a thousand stories and awesome memories like all around the River Runs Red time frame, those were such awesome memories. I was an angry kid. I'm not even sure sometimes what I was angry about, but it's like that record. And I mean, you guys were basically the same age as me. I'm 46. What are you, like a year older than me, maybe? I, I just turned 50. All right. So we're, we're basically the same age, you know, same generation, middle of generation X. Yeah. But, um, you know, everything that, that you were writing and, and, and it was, it was all so relatable along with what was going on in real life in your, in your lives and in mine personally dealing with, you know, parents and loss and 
like words and music. I still laugh at it because like I used to feel like that in school and I hated it. It was just the way it's like, and you would play that and I would get, I would go nuts because it was just so fucking relatable and perfect. That's why it's like, it resonates in all those times, man. It's just a great time in my life and I'll never forget that stuff. So thank you for me. You know what? Music that you do. Yeah. But you know, we were so inspired by the bands before us in that era. Also like, sure. you know, you brought up, you brought up words of music and Anytime I hear someone talk about that song, all I can think about is sheer terror because that was the inspiration of that vibe for that song. Whether you hear it in there or not, right? That's what that was the inspiration. And oh, we love we love sheer terror, of course. Uh, and uh, you know, between sheer terror and Carnivore and all, all those all those bands, uh, yeah. Agnostic Front, <clears throat> of course. But uh, but those are the bands that we were going to see that we wanted to emulate. You know. And those are the ones that that got us all pumped up, you know, and uh, and still to this day, you know, my I have an old iPod, the really thick white ones. Uh-huh. And you can't you can't update it anymore. It doesn't sync up to anything. Yeah. But it has all my shit on there. Uh, there's got to be like, a way to make sure like 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 other bands like you got there's got to be a way to extract. I don't it. even want anything new, though. That's the uh, thing. Everything okay. that's on there. It stopped being updated in like 2000. Okay, <laughs> can you I still need. play it though? Can it still play? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Leave it alone then. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you don't need nothing new, man. Listen, I listen to maybe, <laughs> oh, shit, probably the same 30 records for the last 35 years. It's That's like, you know, it's the same 30 records, if that. Every once in a while, I'll go through my little phases here and there, but mostly same 30, 35 records for the last three decades. Yeah, same you know? thing. Yeah, it takes a lot nowadays to like, I sound like the old man, like to get off my lawn, old <laughs> man, like, ah, you kids don't know what you're doing now. You know what I mean? But it takes a lot to, to like impress me or be like, wow, like I haven't heard that before. You know, because so many, especially in the hardcore scene and stuff like that, it's so cookie cutter. And so, I mean, I obviously I don't just listen to hardcore. I have a crazy eclectic scope of music I listen to. But it takes a lot, you know, to make me open my eyes and want to actually listen to more than five minutes of something. You know what I mean? You, yeah, you, you froze for you froze for a minute. Oh, did I? I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, that's weird. That never really happens. But anyway, I was just saying, basically, it takes a lot to impress me as far as new music that's out. That's why I always listen to the same shit. Yeah, for me, it's not really about getting impressed. It's just I'm kind of um, kind of over, like, searching for it. Sure. If something comes my, if something comes my way that, that uh, really resonates with me, then I'll go seek it out. But uh, it's few and far between, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. So now you knew how to draw, obviously, because I'm not going to say that I didn't put enough. I didn't put time into it, obviously, like you have. But I'm not going to really pat myself on the back, but I can draw my I could draw also. But I remember as a little I mean, a little kid, probably at home before kindergarten. You know what I mean? I would be drawing, but I would be drawing like the same kind of crazy shit graveyards and tombstones and ghosts and dead trees and a great, you know, as a little kid. And 
So you probably were in the same boat. So obviously you knew how to draw, right? And then you just went to school in order to maybe just get like a degree in order to get you to the next level. Well, I really had no direction. You know, I did mediocre in school at best. And I just knew that I was good at drawing. And so I would do well in the art classes. And uh, that was really just the path that I followed because I had no other path. You know, (laughs) Uh, it was like, yeah, you might as well keep doing that. You're good at that. Sure. And And I enjoyed it. And um and I, and I won a couple of like uh, awards or things growing up that encouraged me to keep doing it. So like, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day when you had like the Kellogg's cereal boxes, draw this, draw a Rice Krispie guys and eat sure. breakfast and you could win something. I won, I, I won that shit. Really? I won, it, I won the Atari system. I was the first kid on the block to have it. because I The 2600. Yeah. Yo, you. Uh, all right, time, time out. You you drew the thing. You won the contest, and you won an Atari twenty six hundred. Yep. That's yep. the greatest thing I heard in a long time. <laughs> Go on. First first kid on the block to have an Atari. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And then um and then there was another thing. I think a like a a poster contest for like anti smoking or something. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and I and I won that too, and and then I was like, wow, okay, I, I better stick with this, you know. Yeah. And and so the teachers were really cool about it too, because I guess they saw some some talent in there, and they really tried to nurture that and and point me in the right direction, and that's what led to uh, school of visual arts and and getting accepted there and everything. So it seemed like the natural path for me, you know. Sure. Yeah, but that's what, re- great. What, what really got me into drawing, I think, in the first place was seeing the original Star Wars in the movie theater in 1977. Right. So back then, you couldn't go home and watch it again. You couldn't like stream it or even see anything again. It's like that was it. You saw the film, and that was it, right? Yeah. So I was so blown away by the cantina scene with all the creatures and everything that as soon as I got home, I started drawing them from memory just so that I would have pictures to look at that I really liked. And, um, and that's that was awesome. really, that's how I really started getting into drawing monsters and creatures and stuff. Wow. That's fucking cool. Well, you're also, I mean, I've seen you at horror conventions before and stuff. So you've also obviously, you're, you're morbid and twisted the same as I am, but it's all, it's all a good thing. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in the same era, like you, like in the, in the early and mid eighties, it was the whole slasher, you know, all the slasher movies and this and that. And of course it was the universal monsters, which are, you know, we're always there, but, um, you know, going to the, the, the local, not even Blockbuster wasn't even a thing back then yet. It was the local mom and pop video store where you go and rent video tapes. So like, that was another thing that got, that, that's something that got me into drawing, a, you know, I would, I would take like the, like the VHS tape and it would be some crazy painting of some decapitated head or like the cover of cannibal holocaust or something and i would look at and i would try to copy it and draw it with a pencil and all that and then that also got me into all the crazy stuff and then and then i watched 
the TV movie Helter Skelter. Next thing you know, I'm all into serial killers and cults. And <laughs> it's like, oh, Melissa, my, my sister, it's like, oh, you want to watch like the Brady Bunch hour long special? Like, I'm going upstairs and watching the Manson family. Like, you know, and I'm like seven years old, dude. It's like not normal, but <laughs> it's what I was always attracted to. All the crazy, gory shit, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, that was like my favorite growing up and The Shining and American Werewolf for London. I'm wearing a shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is it, the slaughtered lamb? What are you wearing? The slaughtered lamb? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, saw, I, I just saw the tippy top. I knew what it was. Dad. Yeah. Amazing. Stay off, off the morgue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I always loved that shit. You know, um, I was always fascinated by it. And even in high school, I remember drawing my own black and white comics, like watching those movies and drawing my, my comics. And um, I would end up Xeroxing them and bring them to the local comic book store and they would sell them on the rack for like 75 cents. And I'd, you know, make as many copies as they would sell, you know, wow. uh, that's, a, that's how I started. You know, that's what I was really into and, and, and writing stories. And there were always, you know, massacres and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. in there. And uh, <laughs> I, I that it kept me busy. It kept me out of trouble. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. Without a doubt, you know all that stuff. It's like I. It's like you ever, you know, someone will ask you, "What was what was you know when you were a little kid? Like, what's the first thing that you wanted to be when you grew up?" You know what I mean? And for me, I remember beside. As a really, really little kid, I used to love dinosaurs, but I had no idea what a paleontologist was. So I was like, yeah, well, well, I, I can't do nothing with dinosaurs. Like, what am I going to do when I grow <laughs> up? But then I, I found, I used to buy Fangoria magazine all the time. My mother used to buy them for me. And it was, it was when Friday the 13th, the final chapter first came out. There was this whole, I still have it, as a matter of fact. There was this whole layout of... Tom Savini's artwork, you know, Tom Savini's work in that movie. So that's like the first thing, like I wanted to be fucking Tom Savini, dude. Like I want to grow up and chop people in half and shit like that. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Yeah. I, I never pursued it and it kind of sucks. I don't know what the hell happened, but that was like the <laughs> first thing I ever wanted to do was like, you know, Jack Peter effects and stuff. All of that stuff. Yeah, man. Super fast. Yeah. All that artwork and all the stuff like you do. Like, dude, I look at, it's like, I can't even say like, how do you do it? You're a talented dude. You know what I mean? And you break your ass. And I mean, I gotta, I gotta ask you, how or why did you come up with this beauty of horror thing? Uh, it, it was really like by accident. Honestly, it was like I, I got home from rehearsal one day and my wife and daughter were coloring in uh, a beautiful nature adult coloring book. I had never really seen them, you know, growing up. We we grew up with coloring books that were on this newspaper quality, yes. you know, crayons. Right. But sure. this was like a high end, really thick paper, beautiful line art. And uh, they would have a, a fun time coloring in this book. And they were like, come join us. And I was flipping through it, but I couldn't find anything to color myself. You know, I didn't want to color some trees or some kind of nature scene. So yeah. my wife said, why don't you draw something and color it? And so I, that's the night I drew 
the CBGB's bathroom. I wanted to draw That's the, so most, awesome. <laughs> the most disgusting thing I could draw. And that yes. was CBGB's bathroom. <laughs> More so, than any horror movie, <laughs> massacre, the CBGB's <laughs> men's bathroom. That's amazing. So I, I, I drew that up and I posted on Facebook because I was cracking myself up. Uh-huh. And it was, and it was like the night of April Fool's Day. And it was like my April Fool's Day joke. And here's my coloring book, my adult coloring book page. Go color it. And a lot of people downloaded it and colored it. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, it was hilarious. And so I had already been working with IDW Publishing on those other books you mentioned. And I and I sent them this idea for a horror coloring book. It hadn't been done before um, at that point. This was 2016. I'm but it was April. That's crazy. Like it hasn't been done. It's, it's kind of hard to believe that someone did not do that. Yeah. I mean, you, you would have like um, nightmare before Christmas coloring book or something like that, that they basically took, you know, scenes from the movie and just sure took the color, color out. Yeah. Uh, but you, but nothing like that was gory or uh, what I was doing. And so I sent it to the publisher and they greenlit the thing so fast. Like, Within 20 minutes, I got a yes. And I wow. normally, normally I would wait weeks to find out if they were going to go with a project of mine. But it, it was April Fool's Day, so I thought they were fucking with me. I was like, <laughs> I was like no, are, are you guys serious? Like, for real? Yeah. That was a quick yes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. They, they had been wanting to get into adult coloring books, and this was a great way to do it. And it, it really hadn't been done before. What a brilliant so, idea. And by accident, that's fucking great. So it was kind of like, once they said yes, I was like, oh shit, I have to draw 90 pages of this now? Like, <laughs> how do, like what am I getting myself into? Like, how am I going to fill a whole book of this? And so I broke out my checklist. Werewolves, zombies, vampires. You know, I went down the line of things that I could draw to fill this book. And then I, I really got into it. Like, 10 pages deep, I was like, you know, I'm going to make this the best fucking horror coloring book. Yeah. Because this is my one shot to, to like speak for horror fans. Like this is what horror fans want to want to color. That's yeah. how I looked at it. And that was my goal. And I thought it would be one and done, you know, it'd be and like now, how many movie. are there? Five. And then plus there's different versions. And yeah, there's, there's five uh, big volumes. And right. then there's two holiday specials and then there's tarot card sets that you could color and they're all released in multiple languages all over the world wow yeah, good for you great. man good for you that's great man a lot of fun it, it was kind of like after that first book uh it gave me a chance to like build the world around this guliana character who keeps appearing in all the books and kind of messing with the colorist through these poems, spooky poems uh, that she wants the colors to like unlock things and spells and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. So it's not just like, okay, one page, it's like a whole. Yeah. It's kind of like world. a mini. Yeah. It's like a, like a horror universe uh, within the series. You know, there's characters that repeat, uh, you know, you see them in different outfits doing different things throughout the series. And, um, and it just keeps growing and growing, you know, um, each book has kind of taken on its own theme in a way. So as the first book was kind of like a collective monster universe of everything, 
part two went into like Guliana's uh, Creepatorium, I called it. It was kind of like this museum of oddities. And then part three went into like carnivals and spooky clowns and stuff. And then four and five are really fun because four was like uh, spoofs on horror movies. Mm-hmm. So like all our favorite scenes from like The Exorcist or Amityville, yeah. but done in this style with these characters kind of acting out the part. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the book that just came out last month, uh, Beauty of Horror 5, uh, is all dead, dead celebrities. Yeah, yeah. So you got David Bowie and Bob Ross and Freddie Mercury and just 90 pages of dead celebrities, basically. It's so good. <laughs> so much to build on. It's great, man. Like you said, like there's carnivals and you can make all kinds of creepy shit. It's like, is there another one going to come out? I'm working on one now, yeah. We have of, co- of course you are. Why yeah. wouldn't you be drawing? That's all you have to do with awesome shit now what about this uh, I'm, I'm i'm going kind of through them because i want people that are listening because I'm, I'm probably i'm expecting everyone to just think life of agony talk life of agony talk you know what i mean so and i'm sure you've done podcast you've done podcasts and stuff like that but i wanted to get a little bit of your insight and stuff what what went behind your artwork you know what i mean instead of just you know, just talking about River Runs Red for an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, whatever you want to do. But like, like, like the Killogy series. Like, how did you, Frank Vincent, like you have Billy Bats running around, like, like, like this whole series of, of books that you did. Like, what made you put these four people in particular eventually all together in this series? Well, it, it was kind of funny because another kind of by accident situation, I, I pitched a Twilight Zone type of trilogy, you know, three, three, three comic limited series to IDW, where right. these three, ra- three random characters, their stories intertwine in, mm-hmm. in this apocalyptic setting. And um, when I started drawing the characters, there was no actors in it at all. Uh, and so, but the characters that kept coming to mind were kind of looking like Frank Vincent, kind of <laughs> looking like Mark Ramon. And then, you know, it dawned on me that, you know, through various connections, I could get this idea in front of those people and see what they think if they wanted to lend their likeness to the story. And, um, and if they would trust me enough to write their dialogue and because making comics is, is a very fast paced thing. You got to hit a lot of deadlines and stuff. Uh, so long story short, I got in front of Frank Vincent and pitched him the idea. And That's we awesome. Had, Rest in peace, Frank had, Vincent. Yeah, he was the best. We had dinner at Goodfellas Restaurant. Oh, uh, how perfect is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget it because uh, my cousin knows him. Uh, and so he set up the, uh, the dinner. And of course, we were, we hit Jersey traffic, and we were so late. And we show up to it's a Goodfellas restaurant, and we open the door, and it's empty. And he's sitting at the far end of the bar with this the Frank Vincent, you know, face, and like, <laughs> you guys fucked up. Like, you guys are seriously late. You know, <laughs> we just thought we were gonna get whacked as soon as we walked in. That's like, awesome. <laughs> Uh, he was such such a nice guy. Um, he was he was a drummer. Really, I knew that, but I didn't know he that. Was a, 
he was a drummer when uh, he was a kid, and Joe Pesci was in a band with him, uh, playing guitar. See, and uh, and so like we instantly clicked, uh, talking music and and all that stuff because um, he really had a love for music, and and a lot of the the uh, a lot of the things that he was stressing a lot was everything's about timing and and uh, especially being a drummer and and having a rhythm with someone uh, like he did with Joe Pesci. Um, he had a lot of cool advice, uh, life advice, and also uh, creative advice about yeah. finding that, finding that groove within, uh, you know, uh, creating things. Uh, yeah. So it, it, I learned a lot from him and um, he was a sweetheart. And then we ended, ended up um, doing a, a little animated uh, six minute proof of concept for an animated series based on Killer G and and he was really uh cool about being involved with that. We used his voice. Uh we recorded his uh his voiceovers for the cartoon at his kitchen table. You know? <laughs> it was hilarious. And um and just one by one I got them involved. Um and Marky was great. Uh we did some Comic Cons together uh, promoting it and everything. Um <clears throat> and Tab Doyle, and you know, I'm such a huge Misfits fan. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, <clears throat> so it, the whole thing was just like, okay, fanboy, uh, yes. you know, go go nuts. I already had the deal with IDW, and when I started, you know, adding real a real cast to it, they're like, okay, if you can, yeah, why nice, well, right? So it, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, and it was like probably the first time anyone, you know casted a comic book you know what i mean like that yeah. wasn't based on something that already existed on television or something so it was it was very different it was kind of weird because you know how do you pitch something that hasn't been done before really sure. yeah you know and that was like the biggest thing that i was worried about was it wasn't i don't write my comics like a script i i have an outline i know what i want to do because i'm I'm writing it and I'm drawing it and inking it and, and everything from start to finish designing the book. Right. So I don't, I don't need to write a script to hand it off to someone to, to draw from. And so when I was pitching it to these guys, uh, that was a little bit of the disconnect because they were like, well, what's my character going to say? And I, I haven't written it yet, <laughs> you know? So there was a lot of, there was a lot of trust involved and, and I'm very, very grateful to everyone for, for trusting me with, with, you know, putting them out there in this story uh, based on their own likenesses. Yeah. I saw it. I'm like, that's awesome. Like Frank Vincent Doyle, like what a crazy different cast of characters, all in one thing, super unique. And, and like you said, like, I don't think that anybody ever casted a comic book. And to pick those four people, it's, it's it's fucking brilliant, man. I love wacky, out of the box, out of left field shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's absolutely fits that. Fits that. You know? Well, uh, and even like, what's that? That's definitely a, a common trend in everything that I touch. I think. Yeah. Well, that's why. Wacky. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's you know. it's great, dude. And like, you're really dark stuff. Like, crawl to me. And wire hangers, dude. What's up with that guy? <laughs> well, wire hangers. I mean, that's really that that story was around since college, and it really 
that's what I was drawing in college that I was going to take to the comic book companies. But that's, like I said, I went on tour instead and yeah, I, I didn't really pursue it, but I always had that story that I kind of wanted to get out of me. And, um, it was, I think 2009 when I finally said, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, really put my head down and figure out how to do this comic for real. And, um, I wasn't confident confident enough in my own skills to draw a whole comic book. So I was looking to hire someone to do it and I was going to write it. And so I, I met some artists at artist alley and at New York comic con at the Javits center. And, um, it just took forever to give me sketches or, and I got so frustrated that I was like, fuck it. I'm drawing it myself. Fuck, I got to do my, you know, dude, you know how that is. You can't rely on no one. You got to do shit yourself, man. It was just, it was just taking too long. So yeah. I started drawing it myself. I was really inspired by um, the artist of 30 days of night, Ben Temple Smith. Yeah. Um, because I saw a lot of myself in his style where uh, it was kind of sketchy, but it brought in a lot of textures and Photoshop kind of uh, atmospheres and lighting. Sure. And uh, I, I was really into that kind of stuff back then. And um, so I was like, OK, I, I think I can do this, you know. And so I was going to self-publish it. And uh, that's the year that I got on Twitter for the first time. And um, I started talking to this guy who was writing a comic book with Ben Thomas. Ben Temple Smith called uh, Groom Lake. And the guy's name was Chris Ryle. And um, he was a big music fan. We started talking about Motorhead. Uh, he, he was putting out comics. So we started trading comics for music. I sent him some LOA stuff. And uh, he saw me post about Wire Hangers that I was going to put it out. And he said, would you want to do it with IDW? And I was like, Mm, yeah and i didn't realize that he was the editor-in-chief of the company no shit <laughs> I, I thought he was just the, a writer there you know yeah but he gave me my he gave me my first shot and that's he, awesome uh, and he put out wire hangers for me and and from there i was like okay i'm here i'm not leaving <laughs> you yeah know? you got like, right. i got my foot in the door and you ain't getting me out <laughs> yeah i'll overstay no, my goddamn welcome <laughs> I have overstayed it. <laughs> nah, man, you're doing awesome shit, man. You kidding me? And the whole crawl to me thing. And now let's let's talk Monster Chompers because this is the newest thing and this is going to drop. Let me see what day this is dropping. I think I, I wanted to do this with you in order for it to drop. Yeah, this is dropping. You're listening to this and in two days, Monster Chompers drops. In two days will be Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, super, super excited. So this is something brand new, like really maybe a month ago, uh, idea came to to try and do some NFTs that uh, I've seen some really fantastic ones like the Board Ape Yacht Club. I'm not sure if you've seen those. Uh, no. It's a whole another whole series of 10,000 unique illustrations. Um, there's a bunch of bunch of different collections. Um mm. And they're wild and they create communities around this stuff and um, the fans can interact and there's a lot of cool perks to being like part of the club. Um, so I wanted to do something that was that I'm passionate about, of course, monsters and anything creepy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but these these have a, a, a lot of fun to them. You know, the colors are kind of bright. Uh, it's not like the typical dark, scary monsters. These are right. more like 
outlandish, you know, kind of really freaky. They're all eating disgusting food. Uh, right. I don't know where I come up with this stuff, but <laughs> who I, cares? I, I pictured it kind of like a pop-up restaurant where monsters come to eat the grossest stuff. I don't know why, <laughs> but it, I, I, I called it Monster Chompers All Night Eatery. And that's and this is where they come. There's a menu of of all the crazy shit that they eat, yeah. and and they just come to chow down, and and that's it. And then each one is unique in the sense that there's like eleven different monster heads with different eyes, different sets of nose, sunglasses, and they're all eating different foods. So you put all these different combinations with an algorithm, and the and the supercomputer just spits out ten thousand unique combinations. Wow. That's so crazy, man. So nuts. So now I'm going to, I'm going to play stupid right now. And I'm sure I'll be speaking to some people that are watching or listening. How does one acquire one of your digital collectibles from monster choppers? How does this work? I know you're probably sick of talking about how NFTs work and what they are, but I honestly really don't know. I see this NFT stuff all over the place and I find it to be super interesting, but I don't know the first step, how to even begin to get involved. I was in the same boat as you a month ago. <laughs> a month, only a month ago. Okay, good. I don't feel so stupid. Yeah. I basically did a, cr a crash course in NFT. So here's what I found out. And I'm <laughs> okay. totally wrong, but this is how my Brooklyn brain works. All right. So basically, this is what it's cryptocurrency. Okay. So that has a concept in itself, right? Right. It's this unregulated money system that's worldwide. Okay. Right. So you, so in order to have cryptocurrency, you have to take your US dollars and create a crypto wallet. And basically, right. you transfer what U.S. dollars into cryptocurrency, which and there's many different kinds: Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these different ones, right? right? So you pick whatever you want, then you have a crypto wallet with your funds in it. Now you can buy stuff in the crypto world with that with that stuff. So you could collect art. There's different things that you could buy. It works just like U.S. dollars. Okay. So that's. In a nutshell, that's what it is, right? Okay. So the cool thing about NFTs is that just like when we used to collect baseball cards as kids, if you had a rookie card or if you had a, a hot player, that one would be worth more than a, a different one, especially if it was a good condition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but so, so the cool thing about NFTs is that they're minted to a blockchain forever. So once it's, that's how you know it's authentic. And it, it shows the date it was created, who created it, who bought, who bought it. You can see all the transactions from the moment that it's made and transferred between people as it's, as it's sold in, in the metaverse. So it just keeps going and going and there's full transparency. You can see all the transactions and also how the value fluctuates. Wow. Uh, so, so it's pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, it's that, definitely, it's definitely interesting, dude. It's a completely different world than winning a, a, an Atari 2600 to doing something like this. It's some weird <laughs> cyber shit. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. So, blows so my mind. Cool, and listen, I'm no genius when it comes to all this stuff. I just learned about it. Yeah. But, uh, 
I was interested in creating a beauty of horror app uh, a couple of maybe a year ago during the pandemic. Okay. And, and so I was through, uh, through a lawyer, uh, I was introduced to this company way too digital, um, based in Argentina. And, um, and we started zooming through the pandemic and talking about this beauty of horror app and how it could possibly work. And then ultimately I decided not to do it. I was going to wait. But when this NFT idea came up, I was like, this is the, you know, we had already hit it off and, uh, and connected. And so I ran it by them and, and they loved the idea. They had already been doing this for a much bigger company. Um, and it's been so much fun working with them. It's, it's like this whole team uh, overseas and we're on Zooms all the time and sharing ideas. And it's been a really cool collaboration, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And it all drops. So <clears throat> I guess the proper terminology would be it goes live on Halloween. Yeah. So on Halloween, that's when you can start minting them. So basically uh, the store is open and there's a button that if you want to purchase one, there's a set price for all of them for the first 10,000. Um, you just you purchase one and then it gets minted. And you own it. That's it. You you have a, you know the very first monster choppers, and then there's a secondary market if you wanted to flip it as they yeah. increase in value in value, yeah. and and that's the whole deal. You know, that's awesome. How cool is that though? Like all these different variations, especially like during the pandemic and stuff like that. Like all these things because NFTs are relatively a new thing with all this whole cryptocurrency. You know, like like I guess like it's like a boom of it all. It's just so things are moving so fast, bro. Like I I can't even keep up with all this shit. You know what I mean? But I had no idea. Like I had like a basic idea. I knew it was crypto, but I didn't know how to navigate yeah. or how I would buy something like that. Cause I seen like you you probably know him from fucking high school, Ill Bill. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, from injustice way back in the day. He put yeah. out like it was like a song or some something related to a song or one of his masters or something. That thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Like oh, it's gonna make an NFT of this one thing, and it was like, dude, it was like ten grand. It was like what? Like and, and then right there, I'm like, how does this shit work? I'm like yeah. how the hell is this happening? But well, it it, it is it, it's kind of mind blowing, like what people are selling as NFTs, you know, you could, there's been full movies on sale as an NFT, you know, and even like when, if you look at those board eight collectibles, like you can, um, you could see in all the description about it, but they allow commercial use for those, uh, eight drawings. You can, once you purchase it, you can put it on t-shirts, you could use it in advertising, you own it outright. It's pretty crazy, like what yeah. what you can do with it. Wow, fucking crazy, man! So monsterchompers.com, correct? That's it. Yeah, awesome. And there's an Instagram page. It's just Monster Chompers, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, at Monster Chompers. Now, do you mind? You mind if I throw out my sponsors real quick, and then we'll shoot back? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, are you a coffee guy? Big time, probably too much. Yeah, me too. Coffee and Red Bull, it's terrible, bro. It's terrible. But I used to, I used to drink. I don't drink no more, like over yeah. seven years. So I could be doing a lot, a lot worse things. Anyway, 
One of the sponsors of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace is a company called Dead Sled Coffee, which is, do you ever hear of him? That's AC, right? But yeah, I think he used to be a part of it, but the, the company mm-hmm. is, is it's doing amazing. But right up your alley, dude, because I first follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. And if you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order. And anything over $60 is free commercial, is free domestic shipping. Um, but dude, what they're doing or what they have been doing, they have like officially licensed deals. They have a Kane Hodder blend. They have a Robert Anglin blend. It's like this really strong brew. Again, you get it, you know, so you don't go to sleep, but it's a Robert Anglin officially licensed um, Elvira uh, they just put out a Cypress Hill blend, um, Rob Zombie, uh, Bill Mosley. They put out four different collectible bags for each member of Kiss. Bro, they're doing really, yeah, dude. They're doing all kind. They're a small company, but they're doing these awesome things, dude. So it's like, and, and I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor. Because even before the podcast, I was drinking it anyway. And I asked, yeah. I was like, tell you what, you know, I'll plug it every, it was like, yeah. So they throw me some bags of coffee every once <laughs> in a while. Like that's all it is. But, but I, I put it out there because it's awesome and they do really cool shit. It's not like this nose in the air, like, you know, you know, stuck I, I up. Think, I think I had a Vincent Price bag. Yes. Vincent Price. They they had a Bella, yeah. A Bella Lugosi. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. They're it's uh, their breakfast blend. It's called Morning M O U R N I N G. Their morning blend is the shit. So yeah, yeah. So Dead Sled Coffee. Um, here's a spot that you know of. Um, another sponsor is Generation Records, located at Two Ten Thompson Street in the West Village in New York City. They've been around since '92. They survived this whole pandemic. Thank God. They're like one of the last people on the block as far as vinyl record stores. Um, follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. If you cannot make the actual brick and mortar spot in the West Village, they have an eBay page, and you could also go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and order things online there. So shout out to Generation Records. And last but definitely not least is New Republic Printing for screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. If you go to newrepublicprinting.com, there's a drop-down menu of all different brands of shirts or just brands of all different clothing that you can get whatever you want printed on it. Um, there's no setup fees. There are no screen fees, which is ridiculous. And if you have your order shipped to any commercial address, it is free UPS ground shipping. I've been using them on and off for like 15 years, way before the podcast and all that. Steve McCarthy is on Facebook. Great guy. Quality shit. It doesn't crack after the first wash. It's all good shit. Because, you know, oh, the screen printed one wash. It's all cracked and jacked up. Nah, <laughs> awesome. New Republic printing. And, and dude, it's like no screen fees. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, who charges for no screens, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. Shout out to New Republic Printing. And those are my three sponsors. Thank you all for sponsoring this silly podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So, so let's talk a little bit of Life of Agony, and I won't hold you hostage for too much longer. Um, 
things in the works. You said you said you do have some stuff planned for 2022. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of dates that are booked. It, we just hope that they can happen. You know, um, uh, a lot of Europe stuff, some U.S. stuff. Um, we'll be making uh, announcements pretty soon, I think, um, as we're allowed. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time, man. It's been too long. You got to be chomping at the bit, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a rough road. You know, uh, it's. The end of 2019, we had put out the Sound of Scars, and we didn't really get to tour on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, we did one um, little Canadian run, I think, and and just a little bit of Europe dates, but we didn't really um, get to do a full U.S. tour on it. Um, and now it's like two years old. So, yeah, it, that was kind of a, a tough one, you know? We were, we were really excited about touring on that record. Sure. Um, so. I mean, sure, it could be it could be worse. You know what I mean? Oh, how things? Uh, you know, we've all gone such through crazy shit. You know, my my parents were on that Diamond Princess cruise ship when when uh, the pandemic broke out. Wow! Uh, and they were in quarantine on that ship. And we Holy shit! Really, dude? Yeah. So we were watching it on the news, and we were like damn, it didn't even hit here yet, you know? And then they were one of the uh, the U.S. citizens that got flown to the Texas Air Force Base, you know, to get evacuated off that cruise ship. Wow. Uh, and they never and they never caught it. They never really? Caught it. So, somehow they, they must have uh, super DNA. Something. <laughs> but, did you, have, did you get in, it? I never got it either. I got but it. I, I, did you? Yeah, yeah, but I was, but I, you know, it was like I was jacked up for like two days. As a matter of fact, I was at a New Jersey Horicon, I think. Uh, and we were just going to go just for the day. And then my girl was like, like, we were going to drive all the way home. And she was like, you know, you want to just see if we can just get a room or whatever, and we'll just stay. So I'm like, yeah, because it was on the tail end of Hurricane Henry was blowing through. And I'm like, yeah, why not? So, all right, so we get a hotel room, we go upstairs, and all of a sudden, dude, well, like, we went upstairs, we unpacked and whatever, you know, put our shit together, you know, put our shit down. We go back downstairs, we hang out for a little while, we're hanging out, we go out to eat, and but a whole bunch of, it's so weird how I'm like became friends with like these horror actors and Angela from Sleepaway Camp and Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, why is Michael Myers texting me? Like, it's just, so weird. It's, it's awesome. But it's like, how'd that happen? But anyway. Um, so we go back up to the room and all of a sudden I'm just like, I am freezing cold, freezing cold. And then I got into bed and then I was like, my girl was like, dude, like she was like eight inches off of my body. She could feel my heat. I was burning up, but I was frozen. I'm wearing a hoodie. I'm underneath everything. I'm frozen, but I'm burning. So I was jacked up for like two or three days with a ridiculous fever. After that, I still had my taste. So in my head, I'm like, I don't have this shit. I can still smell and I can still taste. So 
I had no appetite. I felt like shit for a few days. And then I got a, I was starving. And it's weird, dude, because I don't eat a lot of red meat at all. Not for any reason. I just, I can take, I, it's, I have to be like in the mood for some reason. But I was like, all I could think about, my girl was like, dude, you got the zombie virus. You got the zombie virus. <laughs> because all I could think about of eating was bloody steaks and bloody hamburgers. And that's all I wanted. I don't care about French fries, nothing. I just want bloody red meat. And I ordered a burger, super rare. I told him like super rare. And I bit into it. It was the most anticipated but disappointing meal ever because that's when I realized I lost my taste. Uh, uh, but I lost my taste for two weeks. And then I kind of just, I would just get tired like out of nowhere throughout the day. I would sleep like crazy and I'd get up and I, would, I wouldn't be around anybody. Like my girl would be at work and whatever. My daughter was not around me. But I would like get in my truck and just drive around you know, just to get out of the house. Like I'm not around anybody. I'm by myself in my truck and I would just be driving. And I'd be like, all right, like I need to turn around because I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like I just felt super tired, but then mm. I was never like in fear of my life or anything like that. I just felt like shit for a couple of weeks. And then now, right. I'm, now I'm fine. I don't know. I got the antibodies or whatever the hell they, I don't know what it is. So yeah. I'm glad you didn't get sick. I mean, I got sick. I got it over with, I guess, whatever. Yeah, my, my wife is uh, in a high-risk category, so we've been super careful, and, you know, I've been really, uh, really super careful. Like, in, in the beginning months, I would be the one going out there to the market, getting the groceries, and at that point when it was a big mystery about how you get it and this and that, I would, we would bring the boxes home, clean everything off. I yeah. Like, oh, I, I look like, uh, you know. H H back guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, we all, you know, we did the best we could. We lost some people like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um so it's been a it's been a rough road, you know. But uh you know, it feels like we're we're coming it, out. It feels know? like it shows us starting to come back. I mean, I work in the middle of the city. I work on 45th and Vanderbilt, right? Like right down the block from Grand Central. So Thank God I didn't stop working throughout this whole thing. And like during the height of lockdowns, dude, talk about like move, like horror movie shit, you know, like I'm walking down. It was surreal to be walking down like the double yellow line on 42nd street from like Bryant park all the way down to Vanderbilt Avenue and park Avenue over there with Literally, I didn't even have to look behind me for cars. Like, it was just, I took a bunch of pictures. It's just, it was surreal. So strange, quiet, just yeah. ghost town. And to, and to see it in the morning during rush hour, and then when I get out at rush hour, where there's literally, like, in my, in my eye's distance, I could see maybe 10 people as far as I can see in the middle of Times Square during rush hour on a weekday. Dude. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of reminds me like the day after nine 11, um, my wife and I lived in, in hell's kitchen. And, um, I remember walking those streets and it was like, there was people there, but it was silence, man. You yeah. felt like just people's souls were like crushed, you know, and, yeah. and uh, to, to be in the city that day, uh, 
It was just like, I'll, I'll never forget it. No, of course not, man. Absolutely not. And that's another crazy thing. Like 20 years, like a little over 20 years now, like that's like, that's our generation's like Kennedy, bro. You know what I mean? Like our parents remember exactly where they were when Kennedy was assassinated. Like, I remember everything like that should happen yesterday, like smells and exactly where I was, who I was with, what was said. I watched the second plane hit live on TV, like all of this craziness, dude. And it's just, and what's crazy. It's like, you see like a 19 year old kid. He has no idea about nine 11. You know what I mean? It's just so weird that, Ah, like you aren't even born yet. It's, I don't know, man. Time lately for me has been, I've been bugging out on time lately. <laughs> it's just so weird how I, I guess probably for you too, seems like that. It's like, as you get older, it's just, it just seems like it goes faster and faster. Like, like I look back, I'm like, how is it almost three decades that that wreck, that river runs red came out? Like even something like that. It's like, how was that yeah. three decades ago? Like, I remember being at Lemoore's, like, going insane. To, how was that 30 years ago? I don't know, man. I trip out on that shit. I don't but know. But then, you know, on the other hand, like, two years ago seems so long ago. Just because we've been sitting home, I think. Right. You know, like, 2019, you know, when that was the Sound of Scars record came out. Yeah, that seems like a lifetime ago. That's <laughs> right. longer than than River Runs Red in a way, you know. Yeah, uh, just just because it feels like we've been through the ringer this last. Mm-hmm. Well, life changed, dude. It's like there was life that we both know about before nine eleven. Then you have nine eleven. Then it was considered the post nine eleven era, the post nine eleven world. And now it's going to be like hopefully sooner rather than later, the post COVID-19 world. So it's yeah. just, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think that life is an episode of black mirror, bro. You ever watch that show? Yeah. That's a great it's, show. That's like a fucking horror movie. That show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> fucking crazy. Dude. Pretty crazy. It's pretty, pretty close to real life. I think where things are headed. Oh, what are you kidding me? Dude, 20 years ago, like all right, 30 years ago, there was no, we didn't have any concept of what the internet was. The internet, what the hell is that? And then it came out a little bit and then you couldn't be on your house phone while you're on the computer and there's <laughs> dial up and all that. And then there's huge cell phone. It's like, like so much has happened so fast. So an episode of Black Mirror could technically be like two years from now. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for anyone that doesn't know that, I think I'm not sure what season, maybe it's like season three. The episode is called Metalhead, and it's with, it's like, dude, I go on Instagram, and on Boston Dynamics, there's the robotic company, and they have, like, those robotic dogs that they they Mm -hmm. double dutch, and they fucking dance, and they have chalk Mm -hmm. in its mouth, and it spells out the Boston Dynamics logo perfectly huge on the street. Watch the episode Metalhead of Black Mirror, where where that exact same thing is weaponized, Bro, it's Terminator <laughs> shit. It's insane. It's like they, they already have that. They just wait until unleash it. It's nuts. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Crazy. Shit. So what else is going on? I want you to plug all of your stuff so that people can 
check out your comics, check out all your, your graphic novels, your book, all of that stuff. You need to smarten everybody up that's listening and watching where they can check it out and buy your shit and support your stuff. Well, I appreciate it. it of course. Easy. I, I made it super easy. Good. Go to alanroberts.com and everything is there. It's super easy. That's it. Books there, music, yeah, videos, everything's up in one spot. Yeah, they all have different different websites and different socials and, and everything that you could you could follow. But that if you just want to take a deep dive into all the different projects, alanrobert.com, that's where it's at. Ah, uh, who's better than you? That's awesome. That's good shit. And all I ever ask anybody to do is just, and it's super easy too. If you go to Instagram, you just go to the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, just follow me there. And there's a link in the bio, which sends you to the link tree which once you go there, there's different links to every single platform where you can get from YouTube to Spotify to all that stuff. So just go to the Brooklyn Blast Furnace on on Instagram and then go to the bio and you can find everything there. I try to make it user-friendly as well. So um, this was fucking great, dude. Um, I'm I'm glad that we made time to to make this happen. I wish you nothing but the best. And hold on, are you going to any any like horror cons anytime soon? Not this year. I I was invited to do a bunch of stuff, and I just think uh, for my family, I'm just gonna right. stay a little, little more cautious until okay. the new year. Okay. Because yeah. cons are back. I, I went to a couple of them, and they're back. And they're a little bit as far as you know, people like it's a little bit lighter than usual. But there's there's still people coming out, man. Like. Robin Anglin and Kane Hodder and Richard Dreyfus a couple of weeks ago had lines out the fucking building all day long. You know, yeah. so. I mean, I'm going out like, but I, I haven't been in that situation yet. Like just the two, last night already, it was, uh, I saw Halloween Kills uh, screening in the city. And it was uh, a packed I'm going. I'm going Friday. Yeah, it was fun. Was uh, it good? Yeah, yeah, you know. I, I, it's, I what, it's, it's what you expect. You know, the, body count, the body counts high, you know. Right, beautiful. Uh, you'll love it. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you like the um? What was it? Two thousand? What was it? Two thousand seventeen or eighteen version? What was it? Eighteen. You know, what, man, that? I like them all. I like I like the whole genre. You know, yeah. it's like I, that's what the stuff I grew up on. I always have appreciation for it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I still enjoy it. And, um, you know, I, you can't beat the old ones, but no. hey, I'll watch new, I'll watch new ones anytime. Of course. Cause you know, you'll, you'll get the, the quote unquote purists. Oh, Rob Zombie's Halloween garbage. It's like, it's not garbage, dude. You watch Rob Zombie's Halloween. He makes Michael Myers a ruthless animal savage. Like that dude is angry and insane. He's not the slow walking down the stairs, Michael, which is awesome. It's just mm-hmm. a different spin on it. And he's insane. And I think those movies are great, man. People shit on them. And I don't understand why. Maybe because it's the cool thing to do. I don't know, but it makes no sense to me. Yeah, the, the, only, the only thing that I was a purist with, and it's probably because I'm just such a diehard fan was the, the, the uh, Dr. Sleep because um, okay. I'm such a big big Shining fan big Kubrick fan and I just I, 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 we're going to go a couple more minutes now since you brought that <laughs> up 
You did it to yourself. All right, go on. <laughs> Chad, continue. <laughs> we were we were in Europe when Doctor Sleep came out, and Joey and I are huge Shining fans. Dude, and endlessly, endlessly. Yeah. And um, so we, you know, we took a cab to a movie theater in the middle of nowhere to watch it in the middle of Europe because <clears throat> we had to see it like opening weekend, and we just looked at each other like in the theater. We were like the only ones there. And we're like, really? You know, uh, really? Oh. A, a little cringy, a little cringy. So yes. I, I appreciate that they recreated those those old scenes and everything and all the, obviously the director's a huge fan of that work and and did, did the best anyone could do, you know, uh, I guess. But right. for, for me, right. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Couldn't all right. Do it. I agree with you a thousand percent to the extent that I watched about a half hour of it. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do it. But I think I have to give it just, I have to give it the fair shake and try to get through it again. Well, that's, that's how I'm feeling now. So like all these months later, yeah, my daughter, my daughter's 13 and she's into it and yeah. scary stuff and stranger things. So she's starting to get into Stephen King stuff. So isn't that great uh, when you kids start watching that? Oh, bro, my daughter's it, the same way. I love it. it. It's amazing because like three years ago, it was all unicorns and rainbows. But, 100%. Now it's like, <laughs> but so now we're going down the Stephen King path and um, we watched the shining together and she liked it. So, so uh, I told her I'd watch Dr. Sleep with her. And so I'm going to try and look at it with uh, an open mind. Yeah, I'm going to try to. Let me know how it works out for you. I'll let you know. (laughs) But it's like The Shining, dude. It's like that movie. Kubrick is beyond the genius. Um, I mean, from Clockwork Orange. I mean, mean, forget it. Um, There is so much. Have you ever did? I'm sure you have like these deep dives into theories and all the stuff about the shining. And did you see on YouTube? It's the Wendy theory. No, I'm not sure about that. One. I will, I will send you the link. It's a little annoying. Cause it's like computer generated narration voice, but it makes you go, huh? <laughs> I can see. Crazy maniac genius Stanley Kubrick doing this. Like it's right. well, it, I, I tell you, I, I love to look at all the uh behind the scenes pictures and also his handwritten notes on the script and drawings and, and all, all the behind the scenes stuff. That, yes. That he, for for all his films. I'm just yeah. really fascinated by it. all the little details, all the theories they're talking about. Yeah, to the moon, moon landing and all that. Oh, stuff. it's amazing. Well, there's that. There's that. It's room two, three, seven, which is that whole behind the scenes thing. But here's a recommendation for you, bro. If but you, that one goes off off the rails a bit. It, it goes very much off the rails. Certain things I kind of get, but some of it's like, all right, relax. You know, like yeah. calm down with it. It's a little too much. So, but there is. If I find it, I'll send you the link as well. Highly recommended just for Kubrick fans in general. Have you ever seen or even heard? It's only 25 minutes long, 
It's called Stanley Kubrick's Boxes. No. Oh. Short abridged version is a guy gains access and is speaking with Kubrick's daughter, I believe, on his estate. And there is, it looks like, you know, like when you go to like, you know, stop and store, like a, like a, a storage unit. And it's like a row of like, it's like a long garage. And in there are boxes of, I mean, hundreds and thousands of notes, letters, everything. And it's called Stanley Kubrick's boxes, not only because they're boxes, there was a guy who owned like a local, I guess it was like a stationary store of some sort in the area. And he, Stanley Kubrick had this guy custom make these cardboard boxes and had the, the lids a specific way because the ones that he bought in the store, it was, it was just a little bit too tight to take the lid off of the box and put it back on to his liking. So he had these boxes custom made so that the boxes come off without like, like any kind of pressure. It's, it's insane. <laughs> and then there's this like, there's so much behind the scenes footage of what he went through and how many hats he bought to have Alex from A Clockwork Orange wear to be the most menacing. Did you know that they went through like 60 something doors for that Here's Johnny scene? Wow. No. 60 something doors. And it's just like they go through all of this stuff. It's fucking fascinating, bro. I, I got to see that for sure. I will. I will. When, I, when we're done, I will hunt down the link and I'll send it to you. That and the Wendy theory. It's super interesting <laughs> for like movie nerds like the both of us. It's so good. So good. Awesome. Yeah. Now, um, this, this video will go, goes up just like this from when we started to when we end just raw up on YouTube. And I, I post it to the Facebook group. But the audio version, I always have the intro and it goes obviously every platform, wherever. And I have to ask you, you need to pick a life of agony song that I can tack on to the end of the audio version of this episode, whatever you want. Okay. I have everything. So whatever you want. Um, how about the song broken Valley? You have that? Come on, man. I have everything. That, I, that's, that's, um, I didn't expect you to throw that one out there. I was going to pick something from Sound of the Scars, but, you know, that song Broken Valley has such a mood to it. And I was just talking to somebody about it today. So it was on my mind. The song Broken Valley. Title track of the album, obviously, Broken Valley. Dude, this was fucking great. Um, as soon as, like I said, as soon as this comes out at noon Friday on the 29th, this will drop noon sharp Eastern time. And... I'll put up the flyer I made. I'll put up everything. I'll tag you everywhere. The Life of Agony page on Instagram, the group, and everything. So, cool. Yeah, man. That'll be that. And that's awesome. And, and for everybody listening and watching, support Life of Agony. Support Alan and his artwork. Obviously, the guy breaks his ass and he has a passion for it. So, what's better than that, bro? 
You know what I mean? Thank you. You're doing Thank you're doing you. awesome shit. You're a good dude, man. I know you like forever. We're not close, close, but I know you forever. You know what I mean? Seen you guys a thousand times, and I feel I feel it sounds really corny and cliche, but Life of Agony from way, way, way back. It's kind of like a part of me because it's been such a big part of growing up and all that stuff. So, and it's a fact, man. And a lot of people. When I put up that it was a 28 year anniversary, like I don't know how many people commented and messaged me, like for real, that album helped a lot of people get through dark shit and it probably saved lives and it had a huge impact, dude. And there's a reason why you guys are 30 years strong plus. So, yeah, thank, thank you so much. It's a uh, fact. It's just, you know, I'm just saying, telling how it is. It's amazing that we are here still talking about. Yeah. You know, and, and super grateful yeah. uh, to be, to be able to do that. Yeah. Awesome, dude. I wish you nothing but the best. And like I said, I'm going to hit you up. I'm going to find those links and I'm going to, I'm going to let me know. And then when you watch Dr. Sleep again and I do, I'll let you know how that <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I, I have, a, I feel like I'm too jaded to even want to like it, but <laughs> I will, I will give it a fair shake. I'm going to try my best. Me too. I'll do my All best. Right. All right. Good <laughs> shit, my man. All right. We'll talk to you too, brother. Later. Off my fingertips